Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Well, this is a different Sunday. I want you to know it's a curveball Sunday. Uh, Pastor Neil is sick, like many have been over the past few weeks, uh, and is at home watching TV. Well, at least he told me he's sick. There is a part of me that thinks he just recently subscribed to the Hallmark membership. Uh, and I heard that this weekend is a marathon. And so, Neil, I know he's at home watching right now. We love you and we miss you. Pray for a quick recovery. Also, to those watching online, we know that there are many uh, who watch online. Uh, thank you for being a part of this experience. It's great. But, man, what's happening in the room right now is so awesome. Yeah. During that worship uh, experience, I, I just felt so surrounded by the presence of God. I mean, it felt so tangible. I love how every Sunday morning, my perspective always shifts back to alignment with God. And y'all know that throughout the week, it's so easy to be distracted with the worries of life, with the things that are taking place within our lives and, and for our perspectives to shift. And worship always helps align those back with Him. And I, and I always say there's a big cross above this building and it's a great reminder of why we gather. It's a great reminder of why we come together corporately, worship, lift our hands together. And uh, just so thankful that when we have different types of circumstances, we have a wonderful team here at Cedar Valley, as we just saw with Pastor Ty and his wife Amber. Just the, the, the kids' ministry here at Cedar Valley is so strong. It is so good. We are so blessed with great pastoral leadership here. And when things take place, our team steps up, and we saw that take place this morning. So we're blessed to serve here. Uh, we're so thankful to gather. We're going to take the series that we're currently in, the series in the book of Esther. We're just going to put it aside for one week. We'll get right back to that next week. We're going to do a, a spinoff, and we prepare for things like this. We have some messages that uh, should there ever be some type of reason why uh, we can't do something on a Sunday morning, uh, we have a way to pivot. So we're going to jump right into that. And oddly enough, uh, I spent the last 12 days in Southern Asia and had the opportunity to gather corporately with people who are nothing like me. But I'll tell you what, man, I found love with these people. It's not the first time that I've been here, but they just embody hospitality. They're so beautiful. They're awesome. And uh, we, you know, if you look through your, your, uh, your, so we have these lead the way booklets that we had a few weeks back and they list in their different projects that we together as a church body are working hard together to fund, whether they're missionaries or projects. I had a, uh, the opportunity to visit some of those places um, and see the dollar on the other side. So, you know, often we give uh, on Sunday mornings here money to fund these things, but it's always such a privilege to be on the other side where the money's going and interact with the people, the pastors, the workers, and, and, and the people who are being impacted by the giving. It was awesome. My heart is so full this morning. I spent so much time with children who are uh, enduring just absolute... Um, difficult circumstances. Uh, no, no parents, orphans living within, uh, you know, living in, in, in different places with, with, some of our, with some of our workers there and being loved on and worshiping God. When they sing, they sing from like the bottom of their hearts and it is so beautiful. Sometimes I think when you get to a place where you, where you have absolutely nothing, your dependency on God is so great. And, and sometimes in our life on this side, when, when you have 
enough. It's sometimes the battle is that we don't depend on God. We kind of depend on ourselves because we can kind of manage our own lives. It was so neat to be. As a matter of fact, there was a few kids. So I was playing cricket a lot, and, and y'all know that I was doing my fair share of of hitting the deep ball, right? Um, these kids are so good. We we first started by playing soccer, and I was no good at that. So I thought, well, cricket might, you know, maybe. But there's these these boys that really just touched my heart, and I was interacting with them. I thought about you, and I t- pulled my phone out, and I'm like, hey, would you do me a favor and say good morning to Cedar Valley? And they were so excited to be on video. I took a picture of that, a, a video of that. I want to show that to you uh, this morning. Check it out. Two, three, and then say good morning and welcome to Cedar Valley. One, two, three. Good morning and welcome from Cedar Valley. Aren't they awesome? Awesome, awesome. That was one location. We went to a different location and we had the opportunity to be with these boys. I got a picture of these boys that we were at. All of these children have been uh, at this place for their entire lives since, since, you know, less than one years old all rescued from the red light district and uh, every day they receive education meals activities they worship together there is such a bond in that room and again nothing but hospitality they are just so loving Uh, they love to play with the phone they love to to be on video and and all those things it was such a great time then went to one more location this location really ripped the heart right out of my chest uh, these children we hope to one day be able to care for, but this is really a refuge in the middle of a red light district in southern Asia. And all of these women um, uh, spend as much time as possible in this safe place, and then they return uh, back to w- where they work and are truly enslaved. And, you know, we talk, this human trafficking thing has become something that the church and, and people talk about quite a bit with the movies that have come out. Uh, but it's different when your feet are right there in front of them. Um, it's nothing like you would expect it to be. It, it, the oppression, the grip, the darkness, the evil that exists is so tangible. And then you have these children there. And, and uh, so to, to be able to spend time with them and hug them and love on them and to remind them of God's great love for them was so impactful and it just takes the worries that I have in my own life and those that were with me, and it just puts them into the reality of how small they are in comparison to some of the need around us. And I just want you to know that when you give so generously, that dollar travels into people's lives, and it changes them, and it transforms them, and allows them a safe place to be, uh, to be loved, to, to receive the gospel message, to learn about Jesus, uh, to feed um, people who are hungry to clothe people who have no clothing. And, um, and it was so beautiful to see. So thank you, thank you for your generous, generous giving every time you give and when you give. You are absolutely a part of all of those things. Something that I think you get a kick out of is at one location, we were there for three days, and there was 10 of us, and I was the lucky one. I always hit the jackpot. I was the only one who didn't receive luggage. So three days with one outfit. Thankfully, I had one kind friend who gave me a fresh pair of socks each day. That's the only thing fresh that I had on for three days. <laughs> Keep in mind that we were playing cricket often, and soccer, and working, and teaching, and interacting and eating and so 
three days later, I had quite, I took showers as much as I possibly could. It was awesome, I mean, of course. Um, and then the day before, the night before we left, my luggage arrived and I was so happy to be able to be fresh so we could go to the next place. For sure, my heart is so full. I'm, I'm, I, I'm reminded of the impact uh, that the local church can have on the world, on the entire world. There's great impact we have. It's amazing how, how God chooses to partner with people like us to bring hope to, uh, to the world. And thank you for being so awesome with that. All right, we're going to get to uh, our text this morning. If you would, stand to your feet. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Um, if you don't have a Bible this morning... We have Bibles for you. They're out on the, in the lobby on the tabletops. Please feel free to grab one. You're welcome to step out now and go grab one or on your way out, take one. We want to make sure you and everyone has the opportunity to have their own Bible. It's yours. Mark it up. Do, it, do with it what you will. Uh, and, and if you're new with us this morning, thank you for being with us. We're so privileged to have you. It's our desire every week that we would have people uh, come from within our community to visit uh, to visit and, and to worship with us. So this will be the only time we stand up as we read God's word and then we'll sit through the message. Uh, so I'm going to read out of Philippians chapter 4 and I'm going to read verse 6 and verse 7. Verse 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Father, today we, uh, we just take a moment to acknowledge how great you are, how amazing you are. We thank you for your great love for each person in this room, every person watching online, and every human being alive. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for caring for us, God. We pray that over the next 25 minutes or so, you would speak to our hearts, that you would soften our hearts, do it in a way that we would know without a shadow of a doubt, that is God speaking to me. In Jesus' name we pray and together. Everybody said amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. Thanks so much again for being here. What a great, great, great Sunday morning uh, together. The setting of this book, I know we've been in Esther, so if you're going to have to just kind of like set that aside, groups throughout this week. Uh, Side discussion, discuss something from this, we'll wait on Esther. But this book, the book of Philippians, we know is one of the prison epistles, one of the, the books that Paul wrote while sitting in, in prison, right? So I would imagine this is written 60 AD, so about 30 or so years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, so, now, so now Paul, a very persecuted Paul for sure, uh, sitting in a very uncomfortable jail cell, right? So if you've ever sat in American jail, and it's not a good experience for sure, but jail then would be an absolute uh, dungeon-like experience, right? So Paul here is writing a letter of encouragement from a dungeon cell uh, to a church who is experiencing some great uh, discouragement, right? This is a church that is supporting to him, but this church is facing challenges. They are having disagreements with each other. Uh, they are also experiencing tremendous persecution. Uh, again, we live in a place where we're free to express, right, our, our, our worship to God. I was in a place where the government is hostile towards 
that. So, so you got to think that this is not, there's a hostile environment when it comes to the persecution of the church. And like most churches uh, around the world, we could all use some encouragement, right? Um, this letter points everything and everyone to God. This letter of encouragement from Paul to the church at Philippi points everything and everybody to God. Now remember this. We believe that, that this word was written by Paul to those people, right, for them then. But we also believe that this word, this letter, this portion of Scripture was written by God to us now today, right? It was, it was for them then, but it is for us now. We believe that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, right? It is living. We'll never outgrow the Bible. It's for us today. And you'll, you'll see that at some point throughout today's message that th the Word of God is going to collide with where you are today. You'll say something in your heart or in your mind like, man, how does God know that's exactly where I am? Or how did God know that's what I'm feeling? It's amazing, but there will even be some of you who will say, now I realize why they didn't even why they skipped Esther because what God spoke to me today was exactly what I needed we believe that we believe that the word of God is alive and Jonas comes up and transitions and talks about promises right five to seven thousand promises in the word two to three promises in every page of of your Bible today we're going to focus on one just one of those promises. And I think it's a promise that we, we just don't hold on to like we should. There's so much uh, hope within this promise that I want us to take a look at. But, but I just, you know, before I get to, to the promise, I want to acknowledge something. He also referenced, we sang a song about promise, right? It said, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. You've never failed me yet. And I, I've said this before. It won't be the first time I say it, but sometimes it's difficult to engage in worship, to lift your hands and to sing with your voice song lyrics that, that maybe you don't truly believe in the moment. Maybe I'm the only one that can at times feel like, man, I, I don't know that what I'm actually singing right now I quite believe because of how I feel in the moment. Or I'm having a hard time believing this to be true because of my circumstances. Right? I find it fascinating to me that, that the God of heaven, the God of all creation, the God of, that created the mountains and the beautiful seas and the galaxy and the animals and all of humanity, the great big Living God makes a promise with people like you and me. Not just a promise, but promises. And I don't think we take him up on, on these promises nearly enough. I just don't, I think we lose sight of these promises far too often. I want us to take a closer look at a promise that I think is really like a great exchange. We'll see that play out here shortly. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. We'll just start with the very first phrase which is don't worry about anything don't worry about anything that first word worry it's a command more than it is a suggestion this phrase don't worry about anything it's a command more than it is a suggestion right maybe it's a suggestion or advice coming from Paul but coming from God it is a command for each one of us to not worry about anything and we know that that is nearly impossible I mean, you got to have the whole sentence for this thing to make it to, to, to be true. But if you just take this phrase, don't worry about anything, that's about impossible to do. Not, in the, not the life we live, right? The, you know, let's talk about worry. For this word worry means uh, uh, distracted with many cares. Don't worry. 
Don't be distracted with many cares. Don't carry the weight of worry. I don't think we are capable of carrying the true weight of worry. I don't believe we were designed to carry worry. As a matter of fact, the cost of carrying worry is great on the physical and the mental and the spiritual and the emotional and financial life. The weight of worry. You know this. Raise your hand if you are a carrier of worry. I I appreciate all the honesty in the room. And for those who have chosen to not be honest, my goal is that by the end of this message, you will raise your hand and say, fine, I too carry worry. We carry worry. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. I like that word anything because the word anything means anything. Anything. Whatever it is that you worry about is included. Oh, the worries of life. As a child, you worry about playtime and bedtime and food. As a young teen, you worry about identity, your acne, acceptance, being loved. As a young adult, you worry about independence or responsibility, finances, the future, childhood trauma begins to rear its head. As a middle-aged adult, you worry about your parenting, managing your mistakes, you worry about your finances, you start worrying about your parents, you start worrying about your career, starting to have some serious marriage issues, personal issues. Oh yeah, some of y'all that didn't raise your hand are about ready to say, okay, fine, I do carry worry. I mean, now that you said it like that, I mean, I didn't think you were going to talk about that, but if you want to go there, I carry worry too. All right, fine. (laughs) As an aging adult, you worry about legacy. You worry about impact. You begin to live your life in hindsight. Start to worry about sickness. You really worry about the kids you have who are struggling. Worry is universal. We all carry it. We all know this word by name. There is a reason why God says not to worry. Do I got anybody in the house who would say, I carry worry? For sure. That verse continues by saying, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. See, the only way really not to worry is to pray about it. Just just listen to this for a moment. Let's truly understand how we can not carry worry. Let's, Let's really arrive at a place where we could drive away from this building today and actually feel like and know and understand how we cannot worry. Because we acknowledge that we do worry, but now we have to know how can we not worry because our worries will still be there. They're all waiting for you in your vehicles. We need to know how do we navigate this worry in our life? How are we going to offload the worry in our life? The release of worry is initiated in time spent in prayer. The release of worry is initiated in time spent in prayer. What a beautiful gift. Think about it. What a beautiful gift that prayer is to the believer. 
It's our communication with God. It's, it's when we have time to hear God. It's time set aside to hear from God. It's our opportunity to experience God. This is prayer. Talking to a church full of believers. That prayer is something we don't, we don't take hold of nearly enough. One of our least attended events a month is prayer circles. We get more people at community dinner than we get at prayer circles. We get way more people at dessert night than we do prayer circles. Prayer ain't popular, but prayer is a privilege designed by God himself. It is his father's heart. It's his father's heart to be in communication with his children. Those of you in the house who are loving fathers, there's nothing like good communication with our children. There's nothing like a meaningful conversation with our children. There's nothing like listening to our children articulate the events in their life. There's nothing like the intimacy of a great conversation with the people you love most. Our our God is a living God with a father's heart. And there is nothing he loves more than spending time with you and me. That's prayer. Something fantastic happens when we pray. We'll learn what takes place. But, but first, let's acknowledge that prayer is a privilege for believers to engage with every day so that we can experience God, so that we can be refueled. Listen, if the only time you engage with God is on Sunday mornings for an hour and 15 minutes, right here at Cedar Valley Church, you will run out of gas by Monday morning. You will run dry by Monday morning. This is not enough to sustain you. This this won't take you where you need to go. There's got to be more. And prayer is one of those ways to continue to be refueled, to be realigned with God's heart. It's our time spent with God that we gain the trust and belief to release our worry to him. Maybe we carry worry because we don't trust him with our worry. And when you pray, you come to a place where you will trust him with your worry. We trust ourselves more with our worry than we trust God with our worry. If worry is scaring you, then think of distractions. We are distracted in life with all the matters that are taking place in the different stages of our life. And I just went through what some of those stages are. Young adults are wrestling with different things than some who are uh, senior citizens in this room. Our youth are wrestling with different, they have different worries, different burdens on their shoulders than those who are middle-aged and early on in marriage. The worry is different. We weren't designed to carry worry. We weren't designed to hold worry on our shoulders every day. Worry will tax you. You look in the mirror, that's a result of worry. The weight of worry on your life will tax you and we feel the ramifications of worry each and every day. That's why some of us us can't sleep at night when we have a child who is struggling, when we have a child who's experiencing great hardship. That's why as loving parents, you cannot sleep at night because the weight of worry is upon your shoulders. When it comes to the conversation of prayer with believers... I think there's a danger zone that we need to be careful and cautious with. And that danger zone would be when you have 
your world together as best as you could possibly have it together. You tend to and I tend to rely on our own talents and abilities to navigate through the worries of life. So rather than going to the prayer closet to release our worry to God, what we do is we go to the laptop to develop a strategic plan to release the worry of our life. Because we're so smart. We're so good. We can fix things and organize things and rearrange things to offload our worry. And so the danger zone is that we no longer come to God with our need. We just take it upon ourselves to navigate and figure this thing out. I'm going to figure this thing out. You've been figuring it out for 25 years. The danger zone for believers is that we no longer rely on God when it comes to our worry. We rely on ourselves. And we kind of do a good job at it. People even compliment what you do. And you, it's power, what you do is powerful. It's so good. And you know this is all me. None of it's with God. I don't take none of this stuff to God. This is just straight raw talent. And I want you to know that there's so much more for you. That's not the way God intended this thing to be. We talk about anointing. We talk, you know, anointing isn't just reserved for the man or woman who stands behind a pulpit. Anointing is when, when you're doing something, you're, you're making decisions, you're, you're leading people, you're, you're managing whatever it is that you do. The anointing is that, that, that extra, it's, it's that, it's that spirit-led leader in the workplace, in corporate America. It's that spirit-led mother who says the right thing at the right time or chooses to listen when they want to speak. It's that spirit-ledness. That, that's the difference. So we shouldn't rely on ourselves and our own abilities. That exchange that happens in the prayer closet is really, really what God is after. Bring your worries, everything. Bring your worries to me, every single thing. Let's engage about it in prayer. And then there's a great promise. That's the promise I want us to focus on, and that is Philippians 4.7. Then you will experience God's peace. So there's a word picture here, and I don't want us to miss it. That word picture is if you will give me your worry, if you will offload your worry, then in, in prayer what I will do is I will exchange your worry for my peace. You, you give me your worry, I will give you my peace. I'll carry your worry, you carry my peace. And by the way, my peace goes beyond your ability to even understand. It will exceed your expectations. I'll carry your, think about it, the great big God, the living God, the God who created the beautiful seas, the mountains, the galaxy. The, think of that God comes down to you and says, I'll carry your worry, you can carry my peace. And that exchange happens in prayer. I want you to see that. I want you to see that for just a moment. Would you just see that for a moment? Can you imagine God coming to you and say, hey, you know what? I'll carry your worry. The worry of your life today, every part of your worry, I'll carry that and I'll exchange you my peace. You carry my peace, I'll carry your worry. And this exchange will happen every time we pray, every time we engage with one another, every time you come to me and every time I come to you, we'll continue to exchange that every day. Let's, let's, every day, surrender, surrender your worry, surrender your worry, surrender your, your worry and, and take my peace. We were designed to, 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 to carry God's peace. We were designed for that. We weren't designed to carry worry. Seriously, who else could ever make such a promise to us? 
Who else could ever make a promise like this? No person could ever make such a promise. If peace was for sale or something you could earn, the line would be out the door. Think about it. If there was a place where you could go and purchase supernatural peace, people would be willing to pay and wait in long as long as possible to receive it. And God, the God of heaven, says, I will exchange it for you. I will give you my peace. You can't earn it. You can't purchase it. There is nothing you can do to obtain it beside receive it. You can receive his grace. Something you can do is receive God's grace, get God's peace in your life. It comes from God as a replacement of your worry. Philippians 4, 7 says, which exceeds anything we can understand. And isn't that who God really is? Isn't he the God that exceeds expectations every single time? We live with the painful regret of knowing, I wish I would have done this 10 years ago. If I would have known, God, you were going to show up like that. If I would have known, I should have done this five years. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but if I ask the question, how many of y'all wish you would have learned, you would have actually done this 20 years ago, release your worry to him? Yeah, you're right. We've lost our hair over our worry. We've lost our minds over our worry. We've lost our joy over our worry. We've lost a lot when it comes to the worry of life. And we weren't designed to carry worry. What we were designed to do is to have a relationship with the living God. And when we engage with this living God, we're refueled. He takes the worry from our shoulders and he replaces it with his peace. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries, all, everything that matters to you matters to God. The affairs of your life, everything, transactions, conversations, relationships, everything that matters to you, everything that matters to you at night, everything that you cry about, talk about, get excited about, every single aspect of your life, every single one of those things matters to God. And he says, give me all your worries and cares because I care about you. when we think of the big so what I'm always thinking like all right so Tuesday when you walk into the office or you get to the work site or whatever you do when you get there and you start to experience hardship confusion whatever it is that you deal with in your workplace or in family I always think the big so what's got to be the thing that comes to mind it's just got to come to mind so that you can kind of get back to, to where we're at in this moment. Because right now we're like, all right, let's do this. All right, I'm ready, to, I'm, ready, I'm, ready, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to offload this worry that I've been carrying for too long. I'm ready to offload it. I'm ready to get his peace. I'm done. I'm in. I'm in. I acknowledge that I've got a worry problem. Yep. And I want his peace in return. So Tuesday, we got to get you to that point. So our big so what? Here's, a, here's what I want you to get in your mind. Exchange my worry for his peace. Exchange my worry for his peace. Say that. Exchange my worry for his peace. That beautiful exchange happens in prayer. Wherever you are, you just, you, God, 
right now, I'm, I'm exchanging my worry for your peace. I'm exchanging my worry for your peace. You just got that phone call? God, I'm exchanging my worry for your peace. I'm ex I can't carry this. I wasn't designed to carry this. God, you said I could give this to you because you care for me. And so thank you for caring for me. God, I offload this worry on my shoulders right now. You lead me. You guide me. I want your peace in my life. I still want to eat my lunch today. I still want to be happy. I don't want my day to be ruined. I don't want this, this week to be ruined. God, I exchange my worry for your peace. Right now, I do that. Listen, every time you engage with God, that exchange takes place. And that's just one promise. We're talking five to 7,000 promises. That exchange happens in the prayer closet. That exchange happens when you're praying and when you're driving. That exchange happens when you're on the floor playing with your little girl with the Barbies and you're kind of praying over her. That exchange is happening. Baby, I love you. God loves you. God's working in my heart as I'm right here playing with you. That exchange happens. Anytime you begin to communicate with the living God, that exchange takes place. Every single time. It's not a once a Sunday thing. It's not a once a quarter thing. It's not a once a, a, a year thing. This happens every time you engage with God in prayer by listening to him, reading his word, worshiping. An exchange is taking place where the living God is taking the worry of humanity on his own shoulders and he is giving you his supernatural peace. And it's not just an ordinary peace. It's a peace that exceeds expectations. He will lead you with your mind blown. I cannot believe the goodness of God in my life. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I should not be sleeping through the night, yet I am sleeping through the night because of God's peace in my life. I should be worried about my future, but my life is in God's hands. I'm not going to carry this worry. I'm going to give this worry to a God who loves me and cares for me. And in exchange, I'm going to just wear his peace. And I'm going to smile my beautiful face through it all. Every time. Listen, prayer is the one thing believers do least. Pastors, superhero Christians, believe me. Christians, pastors are like the all-star Christians. And statistics proves that the best pastors on planet earth Spend seven minutes a day in prayer. Can you imagine? I know. Seven minutes. If that's what the rock stars are doing, then what are like the everyday Christians doing? Not much. We all could do better when it comes to prayer. We all could do better when it comes to prayer. We can all do a better job of spending time with a living God. We could all do a better job. We can all find more time knowing that the result of time spent with God. Your life is better in that time of exchange with God. You know that? Your life is better. My life is better when we have that time spent with God.